G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. G'day, I'm Rowan Connolly. I'm Mark Fine. And we're here to wrap up a big round 10 of AFL football. It's good to see you, Fine. Uh, it's better to see you back. You're looking great. Chinese <laughs> trip. I've, I've got to ask you, not a common question for somebody returning from China, but what was the footy like? I mean, we get a sanitised version or a tailored version that makes it sound very busy and look great. Yeah. What was it actually like there? Oh, well, it's fair to say the stadium was less than bursting at the scenes, but uh, I guess being there, you sort of become aware that it's as much about the sponsorship and the, hmm. the business opportunities that are being negotiated whilst you're there. AFL put on a great pre-game banquet on the Friday night. That was fantastic. I love, it. I love that they're banquets in Oh, no, it was really good. Some of the best gymnastics I've ever seen. Also got Dermot Brereton attempt to eat soup with chopsticks, which was an interesting cultural experience. Um, Hong Kong, we were at for four days. We are in Shanghai for four days. Watched the game with um, some of the Port Adelaide parents. So big hello to Jane Wines, Ollie's mum, and the Eberts and the Byrne Joneses. You were lovely company, and I thoroughly enjoyed our time with you. And Jared Witz's parents too, lovely people. So we caught up with them. Um, did the Great Wall, did the Forbidden City, ate lots of Peking duck, uh, interacted with the locals, picked up a couple of words here and there. It was uh, no, it was a great trip, great trip. I did keep, also keep an eye on the footy, so I'm not completely out of the loop. Well, I'm suitably jealous, I really am. We need to talk about football, so... Uh, what would you make of this weekend? Just of this round. Look, Melbourne are, in this time, away from prying eyes, tends to be the case when you play in uh, the centre of Australia, but... They're amassing a body of work in the last month that may be very relevant. And I'll say this, that it's quite clear now the depth, and I know you've been on about this earlier on in the year, the depth is going to tell the tale because I'll tell you what, uh, not a great moment for Jake Carlisle, but when Rewalt went off after three minutes, Tree Richmond looked like a different team. Mm. St Kilda actually could have, could have and should have, but they don't. But... Depth is going to be so important, right? Yeah, and, and flexibility. And I think that's another thing, uh, another box at Melbourne tick as well as any side in the competition. Yeah, they do. They've got, with Tom McDonald being the only, a true swingman, yeah. you can work a lot of different scenarios. No, I've got a lot of decent medium to small forwards who also double as mids as well. But we will drill down on their massive win over the Crows very soon. In fact, let's make that on the agenda now as we pursue the wraparound. Okay, eight games, of course. Uh, Port Adelaide and Gold Coast both having a week off after the Chinese uh, expedition, which actually leads me to, you may have noticed, we don't have the yellow Sharon this week. We've got a red buffalo. And a small confession here, Finey, I actually took the yellow Sharon to Shanghai. and um, You didn't kick it over the wall. 
Well, I no, and, I didn't Mon- and Mongolia <laughs> didn't give it back. <laughs> no, no, it got lost at Shanghai Stadium, where I did actually decide to kick it as far as I could, and I, I did happen to latch onto a torp, and I'm afraid one of the locals made off with it. And I thought, well, you know what? That's I'm helping add something to the development of the game in the Orient. So in, in one way, I was sort of glad to see it go, and. Uh, I did ask you to come up with a replacement. And... Oh, nothing wrong with the Buffalo Bull, and I am exploring the other largest market in the world, India, because that's where they're made. Ah, okay, okay. I thought you might have gone the Burley or... Uh, oh, I remember the Burley in the, or the, uh, or the Ross, games. Yeah, or the Ross Faulkner, I which love was, the, a, that was a South Australian sort of trade. Well, the Ross, Fa- Ross Faulkner, no, Victorian. Well, it wasn't. Uh, yeah, but the South Australians used Ross Faulkner. They did, way. and traditionally in games played... Right up to the 80s, the umpire would take in a Ross Faulkner and a Sheridan. Yeah, that's right. A new one of each to yeah. the, I think, the the visiting captain, wasn't mm. it, or the home captain? But why they always choose the Sheridan? Not always. Plenty of games played with a Ross Faulkner. Were they? Yeah. Oh, okay. I like the Ross Faulkner. How many games played with the Buffalo? So interesting. Um... Did uh, Calcutta... Buffalo Girls were yeah. the outside. <laughs> yeah, Calcutta played uh, Delhi, yeah. I believe. No, nothing wrong with Buffalo. All right, Other sporting goods as well. Um, let's get on with it. Okay. Go for it. Our first game, GWS v Essendon, Saturday night at Spotless Stadium, and a really, really impressive win to the Bombers. Two on in now for the Dons, which is sort of uncharted territory for them this season. 14-11-95 defeated the Giants. 8-12-60. What'd you make of it? Look, it was a... Great last quarter by the Bombers. Slowly but surely, after a good start, they were being not actually reeled in. They were just being counterpunched by what GWS is capable of doing. Just when you think they are all at odds and all at sea, a couple of good players get involved in a chain. And I think it was a Cameron goal in the third quarter, and you just got a sense, hang on, that's pretty easy. And Essendon are going to find it hard to... Uh, extinguish that, but GWS don't find, this year at least, have not been able to find consistent form within quarters. Mm. They can't seem to pile on the pressure that they certainly did in the last couple of years. Yes, they are men down, but I'd rather focus on Essendon's men who were down but no longer. Merritt's turnaround is highly influential. Yep. It comes on the back of Heppel being the star that he is, but also being able to break some lines because that's when merit becomes more valuable. When Heppel gets into some free space or Zaharakis, and merit is a great mover, he's got a huge tank, he knows where to go, but that's hard to hit from within the contest. So as Heppel, as Heppel made some space and Saad and others, Merritt knows what to do with it. Yep, few observations. He's one of three guys, Heppel and Zarakis, the other two, who, who have really stepped up in the last two weeks, winning a lot of harder ball. Their pressure has gone up. Their pressure ratings have been off the charts the last two weeks. You know, I think GWS invite pressure. I really think they invite pressure. How? By, by, the, by dint of... They're not a cohesive side to me. Mm. They love going coast to coast, but mm. when they're not going coast to coast, they don't know. They don't seem to be able to just slow the play down, chip it to somebody, re, rebuild, reset the the play, mm. and they look confused sometimes. And that just begs the opposition to come hard at them. Well, they did, um, and to that end, I mean, the tackle count Essendon won by twenty seven, yep. um, and that's been a, a recurring theme over the last couple of weeks. The forward half pressure has been there. 
Um, the midfield has been working back a lot harder to help the defence, and that really helps the likes of Saad and McKenna become more creative and attacking. How about but the it, player that embarrassed GWS yesterday? Embarrassed them. Mark Bagley? No. Oh, okay. Well, you can, you can yeah. name him. I just want to name a couple. Mark Bagley is having a real impact as a defensive forward. Three goals, created the last goal of a game. Yep. I think Stringer's starting to improve. One guy I want to definitely, I'm not even saying this guy was in the best eight or nine Essendon players, but Kyle Langford is a guy who I think will be a long-term midfielder for the Bombers. He was trained up over the last half of last year in the VFL to play that role. I think Warsfold has been pretty harsh on him in selection terms. Well, he's now come back in, and the last two wins, he's just had some really good little clever inside touches. He's got a strong body. I think he is a long-term bet in the midfield, and I really, really hope Woosher that you guys stick with him because I think he is the future. Also, and I've been critical of this guy, but Tom Bell Chambers only had about three disposals, but I thought dominated the hitouts and really gave him first use. And those centre clearances they were getting in the last quarter were pivotal. So the player that embarrassed GWS yesterday was the player who, and he's done this all season, has tackled, been more tenacious, been harder working than he ever was at GWS is Devon Smith. Oh, it's been fantastic for him. But work rate, work rate, yeah. work rate. Now, I think he's the leading tackler in the competition. He, he showed elements of that at GWS, but they just have, especially over the last few years, not so much this year, they just had to divide the labour up and you know, he had to take his cuts deep in the forward line and mm. get occasional runs on the ball. Well, it's starting to become quite obvious that you're better off with you can have too many cooks can spoil the broth. If you've got too many stars that each need to be given a diet of on the ball, being on the ball and where the ball is, if you can't maintain that, then these players can lose form. Well, it's funny you mention that because I, in t- talking about GWS, I was going through the lineup and wondering whether they're actually now, and okay, they've got injuries. Here's who they're missing Davis, DeBoer, Deledio, Green, Kennedy, and Scully. Now, there is some absolute class there, no doubt about it. But of those six players, Davis, Green, Scully are the non-negotiables. The others at various times haven't and, even and been Kelly part of it. And Kelly was quite good and will get better. Uh, yeah, so what, it's not like half the list is out injured. I'd also throw this up. These guys all played in the 22 on Saturday night. Are these really, really good players? More? Well, we know Buckley. We know. Well, let's go through them. We know that Moore. Has, we haven't got long, so okay, we know that Moore's had injuries, but he's been there a long time. Not Buckley. Really, well, he got let go by Carlton. Um, Langdon, not bad, but a first Forward year line player. Pressure, yep. Lloyd. He's an unfashionable type. Somebody you'd expect to see more at at Gold Coast than at uh, GWS. Buntine. A, 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 serv- a serviceable workman. Perryman. Hasn't really come through yet, has he? So I'm how about, looking at how that. about Pete Griffin? Yeah, yeah well, I'm saying, is this uh, Pete Griffin? Is this well, a? Well, it's not Ryan Griffin. Anymore. Is the well? I hope he's not as big as Pete Griffin or as stupid. Um, <laughs> that's a, a bottom half a dozen that I don't think is necessarily much. Well, they never chopped compared to the best sides in the world. They never cultivated a bottom half dozen because well, they never thought they needed one. Well, it's probably coming home to roost. Correct. All right, that's enough on that game. Yeah, interesting game, though. Let's move to game two on our feature menu. And don't worry if you pursue one of the teams that played in the other games. We'll talk about them as well. But West Coast defeating Hawthorne at Eddie Head Stadium Sunday afternoon. 11-9-75 defeated the Hawks. 
9660. Now, there's going to be ifs and buts about, oh, Hawthorne aren't that good, and they haven't won at the MCG yet. But I don't reckon the Eagles could be doing any more than they're doing right now. They've won four out of four on the road this year. They have already won a game at the MCG, albeit against Carlton. What impressed me today is I think they've really upped the ante on their on their pressure. They're getting good numbers around the ball. They're really harassing. And Hawthorne came out hard. This was a good version of Hawthorne today. I know they've lost the last two weeks. And the Eagles matched them. And you kept waiting. I kept thinking in the back of my mind, oh, the Hawks are going to get a run on here. And in one stage, late in the first quarter, early in the second, they kicked four in a row, got a couple of goals up. And, and I think a few people are thinking, oh, here we go. Those soft, soft old Eagles are going to turn it up again. Well, they didn't. And it was a really hard-fought win. And uh, they've been outstanding. Now, a couple of guys, and I know we're going to touch on this guy a bit later, or you are, but Jack Redden, been terrific for him. Elliot Yo going from predominantly that half-back intercept role to a midfield role. And, and, he, and a run-with role at times. And, and a, a hard player. I think he's a harder player than Very people hard. gave him yeah. credit for. Yes. And Willie Rioli, he, he is a massive X-factor. And I know there's a lot of hype about Nick Natanui, Fonny, but today I felt like I really saw what it's about. He doesn't even have to have clean possessions to have an influence. He just bullocks that ball forward. We discussed last week, Ronnie and I, I think he's the best player in the comp at the moment. Most important. Most important. important. And best. Yeah. He rucks, but then he tackles. He rucks and follows up. Yeah. You know, we hear about ruckmen who are on ball advice like Nan Curvis, but the problem is they can't ruck. Yeah. This guy's a magnificent ruckman who then becomes a dynamic on baller, but really is an on baller. Yeah. And the team love him. They, They... Step in tune with him because he does things. Well, he belongs at Marvel Stadium because mm. he does things that are freakishly superhuman-like, and players like being off his hip pocket. There's no, there's no lack of players running with Nat Nui, helping him out. You know, coming to the party. Who wouldn't want to? Now, I'll just play devil's advocate here. I reckon there will be a school of thought about this game. Had this been at the MCG, Hawthorne's home ground might have been a different result. Do you subscribe to that? May have. Mm. May not have. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Hawthorne played West Coast and lost. And they've got other options. There's Tasmania. There's the MCG. There's obviously in the West. And then there's here. And to be fair, probably the one with least influence from the conditions. The the most impartial of the grounds is this one. Mm. And it's one that Hawthorne should still win at because when everything's factored in, they've got the crowd on their side, they don't have to travel. Now, West Coast play quite well at Etihad Stadium. Kennedy plays... I thought Kennedy would have some influence today. Mm. He just, he's just he been you know, playing second fiddle to Darling and he stepped up and helped them to an important win. Well, he kicked three goals. I didn't think he did much necessarily. In fact, I think that was another good sign for them that Darling really didn't do much and Kennedy kicked three. But mm. I, I thought they were both reasonably well held and yet they managed to kick a winning but he, score. But he knows how to kick goals. He kicked three yeah. out of 11. He's been kicking, yeah, yeah, he he's been kicking two out of 18. i tell you what, their defence stands up really, really well. And that's, we all go on about the Weagles' web. But, you know, yeah. they, they can Barass play... is a beauty. Yeah, they can play it tough and, and negatively as well as create when they have to. And, and through all of that, isn't Hearn having a great season? Oh, yeah. That's one of the best games I reckon I've seen him play. Yeah. Quickly, where do we reckon the Hawks are at? Hawks are exactly where they were today. They're honest. They're hard to beat. Yeah. 
They are hard to beat. They played a very good team today, top yeah. of the table team. Yeah. They're hard to beat, but they this would have been a throw everything at this game after the loss to Brisbane. Absolutely. Looking at the ladder, they still aspire to winning the flag. I think Clarko looks as at the comp as a very even one. What, this year? It's an even comp. If if Richmond and the Doggies can come from nowhere, mm. Hawthorne, who came from nowhere back in 2007 mm. to beat um, the Swans, 2008, sorry. Oh, to beat Geelong. Uh, to beat Geelong, yeah. sorry, to beat Geelong. Um, they had that belief that they can come from nowhere and win it. This would have been vital. This would have been a must yeah, yeah. win. That's how good a win it was by West Coast, but it just shows... How hard it is. It's not easy to beat Hawthorne. Yeah. No, oh, no, I agree. I, I think they're reasonable. But I think they're going to have their work cut out even making the eight, to be oh, honest. Oh, a loss in a game like this can quickly take Clarko's focus elsewhere. And we saw last year there was there were different Hawthorns, weren't there? Yeah. If they get off the pace, a mm. couple of subtle changes to the team, they can start losing to anyone. Yeah. Also, uh, just noteworthy, uh, West Coast's first win over Hawthorne in Melbourne since 2006. And we all remember how that finished up. Well, if you don't, West Coast won the flag. All right, let's move on to feature game number Spoiler three. Alert. And, and it was in Alice Springs, and uh, good venue, very picturesque with oh, the... Oh, so that tree, that's my favourite shot in football. Oh, the tree and the... You know that shot in football where it's just sort of... It's as though you've positioned yourself just behind the tree and you can see some ball coming through. Yeah. It's quite artistic. It is, and then there's some, I don't know what it's called, but there's some sort of ears rocky type yeah thing in the in the background behind one set of goals. But if I was to do some mischief in a, in a forward pocket, yeah. it'd be at Tranga Park. <laughs> okay. All right, well, let's talk about the actual game now. Yep. And what a thumping win by the Demons. 23 goals, 8, 146. 91 point winners over Adelaide, 8, 7, 55. Uh, five goals to Jesse Hogan, three each to Neil Bullen, Petrarca and Brayshaw. Good players all over the place. They keep racking up some cricket scores, the Ds. And uh, seven goal first quarter. What else? I wrote a few of these down. They were up by 24 contested possessions by quarter time. Mm. Okay, let's start with Adelaide and then we'll finish on Melbourne. Adelaide are currently missing Brad Crouch, Kelly, McGovern, Seedsman was a late withdrawal, Sloan, Smith and Walker. Now, I look at that compared to the GWS injury list, and I think that takes a more considerable oh. toll on them. They've done well to win as many games as they have, I think. Yeah, again, Melbourne are going through this wonderful period of, of, of absolutely taking teams out and then putting the foot down, and more on that in a moment or a little bit later with hots or nots, but there's still an asterisk. Of course, annihilating Adelaide's a huge result but it must come with an asterisk because of the players that Adelaide have out. That's, so, a, that's the thing, though. You, you're going to have some sort of asterisk against almost anyone this year because of things like yeah, that. But these thrashings, I mean, the previous ones, Carlton, Gold Coast and Kilda, they are not strong teams. Mm. And this is not a strong Adelaide team. Mm. So we, we should not confuse... They're not dominating the competition. They're dominating... <clears throat> the lesser teams or teams struggling with in injury far better than any other side in the comp. You know, the big indicator to me today in watching that game, what? to me, clearly Adelaide's two best players were uh, Talia and D Dodie. Dodie, I think yeah. he played really well. Yeah, oh, he's, he's been pretty good most of the year. And Laird was quite good. They had no other decent players, maybe no. Mick Crouch, but... They're backmen. They just were. They they were just backs against the Under wall. Surge. They were backs against the wall and 
You would not have wanted to be an Adelaide forward today for love nor money. All right, let's talk Dees, because uh, I've got no doubt, surely the Cynics, having gone, or who have they beaten, even given Adelaide's injuries, would think this is a pretty reasonable win. Yep. I love their combination of hardness and uh, forward and or attacking potency. Here's a few stats for you. Like I said, there are 24 contested possessions up by half time. They are so. I know you're a bit dubious about uh, stats sometimes, but the contested possession. I'll tell you why in a game or well, two. Well, contested possession differentials at the moment. Melbourne are like winning every game by about 17 at least contested possessions. The next best side in, on the differentials is at running at about seven or eight. They more than double the contested possession advantage per game of the next best team, and they underline that again today. Um, incredibly efficient side. They were 12-2 to half-time. Uh, they were going at 39% of entries, inside 50 entries, being converted to goals. The league average is 27%. Um, and they, they spread. This is where the flexibility I love about them. They had eight individual goal kickers to half-time. Now, I'm not sure how many they ended up with, but they've got so many guys, um, you know, the likes of Melksham, um, here we go, I'm going to forget. But, you know, Mitch Hannon, uh, Bailey Fritch, uh, Petrarca, so many guys who can play as smaller goal kickers or take a turn through the midfield. Yep. They've, got, they've got weapons everywhere. They can you, win the flag, definitely. Yeah, I believe they can. This is a side, you quite rightly put out, has a mix of hardness and silk. Mm. It is fairly clearly defined, though, which can be a problem because in the big games come the finals, Silk needs to be hard as well. There's no room for the faint-hearted in finals. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah. Charlie Cameron's Silk, but uh, he's going to have to do something to erase the memory of the grand final, etc., etc. You know the one player they've got, I think, that marries both beautifully? Really hard, very good at holding his position, his feet, but then lovely and creative and smart with the ball is Jake Milksham. Uh, he ha- I've got to say, he has, as a bomber man... Um, he's, he's matured. His yeah. football's matured. Yeah. Yeah, it has. In the past, when he got the ball, he gets the ball in difficult situations, holds his ground, but that was the signal to almost put the blinkers on and just forget that he was on the ground with yeah. anybody. Now, he's acutely aware of teammates. I think he's a super player. Well, it pains me to say it. How well have they done out of the bombers? Melksham and uh, Michael Hibbert, who's yeah. already... Um, all Australian for yep. them. So, all right, there are our three feature games. Let's run through the rest. We start back on Friday evening with, uh, in the end, a pretty decent win for, by the Pies. 13-12-90 defeated Western Bulldogs, 8-7-55. Now, after two goals last week, finally, the Bulldogs, um, four behinds in a half of football under the roof. Yep, yep. They're, in, uh, they're in a world of trouble. And it's the most dramatic collapse by a premiership team over the space of a year and a half, I can remember. Yeah, it is. It's, it's dramatic, all right. I think their coach and their selection committee down there have shown an inability to instill confidence in their players by giving them the necessary time in the, in the seniors without worrying about selection. Their, their rotation policy, which in the first instance... 2016 proved to be a master stroke of keeping everybody keen and you know awake at the wheel. Now it just has players lacking confidence, and 
doesn't seem to bother them what conditions they pick their team in. Last week against Adelaide in the pouring rain, they just brought all the bigs back into the side. Yeah. Young Shacky finally gets a chance, but it's in a team that's too tall anyhow. And they were going all right in the first half. I mean, they were up by three goals, four goals up a quarter time. But I... I thought it was quite unsustainable. You know, Roughhead took a couple of grabs, whatever. This is not easy to maintain. Let's talk about the pies. Yes, please they do. Won. Please do. I've, I've still got my doubts, and I attracted the ire of some people on Twitter for saying I'm not sure that either side was much shot. Might have been a bit harsh on the pies. Mm. I love the midfield, and they certainly cranked it up a gear. They'd only laid 21 tackles to half time. They really cranked up the pressure, and I think that helped. I think their back line's pretty okay. Their forward setup still worries me. You know, I, I, I'm not going to invest too much uh, faith in Mason Cox and Ben Reid to be my key targets going into any final series. You know, you've got the injury issues with Elliott for solo. Hoskin Elliott, yeah, okay, I'll give you that one. Uh, Thomas, I think uh, I love I, I love what Phillips has done in terms of improvement. Though we're not talking forward setup there. Stevenson's a good. Oh, uh, Stevenson, yeah. So they've got a few options, but it doesn't look like a, a finals winning combination to me. No, it's a team I think that can, if everything clicks on the day, can be heck of nuisance value for everybody. Which it did against Adelaide. And just as, equally, just as possible is a forward line that is a bit clunky, that anybody could beat. Alright, let's move on. Saturday afternoon at the MCG, I'll let you take the lead on this one because a team close to your heart, the Saints, who uh, again... Effort was pretty good. Execution wasn't. Uh, Tigers 15-15-105. Defeat of the Saints 12-5-77. About 15 minutes into the third quarter, or 20 minutes even into the third quarter, St Kilda kicked four goals in a row. They were two goals up. No Rewalt or Hawley for the Tigers. St Kilda were absolutely carving through them and Richmond looked in real trouble. So what happened? Okay, Richmond are a good team. They're a good side. And the, and better players began to lift. Martin um, took it up a notch, ratcheted it up a bit, and they started taking the game on. Caddy, of course, became a target. And at the same time, when it ratchets up a bit, that's when St Kilda is most likely to make kicking errors, which they did. And the rest was fairly predictable, except... There was a moment when Richmond had uh, finally gained ascendancy and got probably a safe 20 points up quite late in the last quarter. Mm. And a stack came up. The St Kilda at that point had 412 possessions to 309. Yeah. Now, look, I know contested, but I know stats lie, but you cannot have 100%, 100 more possessions, 400 to 300, and lose. It just doesn't make sense. What happens those days? Happens it, it, a bit. Yeah, it, I'm telling you, it is. it means a lot of your possessions are hitting targets. And the problem with St Kilda was that they fell into the vortex that Richmond allow you, and that is they just were you know, spreading, flaying it out further and further mm. to maintain possession. Well, there, and by the time they looked up, they were a long way from home on those flanks. There was one very costly turnover that led to the Martin goal, which was when Sinclair went yeah, inboard yeah, yeah, and, right. and it was, it missed, was a lazy the, kick. missed the target by lazy 15 minutes. It was interesting, Jaron Geary said right before the start of the game uh, to, I think it was Nick Dalsando, that we want to be more aggressive and less timid with our ball movement. Yeah. So, look, credit to them for no, okay. at least attempting to do something. But yeah, if you haven't got the skills to back it up, it makes life pretty hard. And I'll tell you what, after a really testing debut in his first game against Collingwood, because Bailey Rice played on 
Jordan Goey for part of that game and got mm. towed up. He was really good yesterday, Bailey Rice. Yeah. One-on-ones, he uses it well. Until very costly yeah, turnover yeah, from but, him there in the last quarter. They coughed up a goal. Yeah. His next possession led actually to led to one yeah. on a brave uh, centering of the ball. No, he he had a very good game. Ed Phillips is okay. Yeah. There are some... It's fun as a supporter when you're not winning to be able to see uh, some new faces perform okay. So that's something. Well, I've got to move on. Yep. Uh, just very quickly, uh, I hate the likes of Bailey Rice because uh, not only is he the son of Dean Rice, but I can remember Dean Rice being touted as the son of former Sporting Globe journalist John yeah. Rice, and okay. that makes me feel incredibly old. Do so you know when Dean Rice started his footy? Uh, he was the nephew of a champion of this club, and he played reserves at? Uh, Colin Rice... At Geelong. Correct, he was from Geelong. Okay, let's go up to the Gabba, where Brisbane uh, went down again with a bit of honour. It's become a recurring theme for the Lions against Sydney. The Swans 10-7-67 beat the Lions 6-13-49. Obviously, some conversion issues there. It was a pretty, uh, it was sort of a... Uber-professional win in a boring game. Yeah, exactly. And uh, It's sort of unfair, because Swans can look an exciting side, but... When you see a game in the wet featuring the Swans, you sort of get an idea what sort of game it's going to be, and it's oh, not pretty. Th- these games happen with the Swans. Full credit to them. It's actually a sign of a, a, a team in control of their game style. You can watch a game with the Swans playing, and the scoreline in the third quarter will be Swans <clears throat> annihilating their opponents by 15 points. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's just no way to get those 15 points back. Yeah, yeah. No, it was a very workmanlike win, and, yep. um, you know, the... the the players you'd expect to play well did. You know, Josh Kennedy was terrific. Zach Jones was pretty good for him. Jake Lloyd um, having a really good season. And yep. Isaac Heaney just gets more reliable with each game, I think. He's a he's a super important yeah. player for them now, I think. I like Cutler from Brisbane. Yeah. Did they ever... He's another, got better. Did they have another Cutler? Was he the same one that was no good a couple of years ago? No, no. But, I always, but really no good. Always makes me think of a breaded lamb chop. For That's something. a Cutler. Yeah, I um, know. I know. But it's this word association. Honestly... Hurry up. <laughs> hurry up! You like hurry up? You no, no, been, go on. You should have been the. Uh, you should have been on Mr. Squiggle as the as the tractor. We've got to hurry keep, up. We've got to keep to time. Come well, on! I'm just saying the cutler. He looks different. You you could easily sell me that that's his brother or cousin because <laughs> he was a bit of a um, klutz. Okay. All right. Let's go down to the cattery. Speaking about boring games, this one. This one was oh, except can, for one pretty horrific moment. Oh yeah. Well, we'll talk about that. Um, but the cats, eleven seven seventy three, defeated the Blues five fifteen forty five. You speak, of course, of that terrible leg injury to Asava Ratagalia. Yeah. and what a shame because I think we've all enjoyed watching him, and uh, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. he's gone for the year. Yeah, he was in a lot of pain. Uh, it's interesting. I was listening to the commentators. They were um, trying to give a prognosis from a long way away. And it seems that people like to go for the ACL in these cases. No, always, yeah. But when you're in... ACL's quite unusual in that there's an initial burst of incredible pain. And then, it, and then yeah. because it sort of snapped, there's no pain at all. And players have actually played on. Yeah. That was no ACL. That was something clearly... Well, was he, was getting on, more, he was on the green whistle. I'm saying, that was getting more painful yeah. by the minute. That was that was a, a um, theatre of war injury. Yeah. Actually, I remember Lenny Hayes played out a game with played and, out a, and, a full with an half ACL. of football. With yeah, a, no, with I remember an ACL. that. Uh, let's look at the ramifications. Well, does, I've been saying most of the year I'm, I'm not convinced by the Cats, and this is another game that makes me think I'm not convinced by the Cats. This is absolutely a case after a bad loss last week against Essendon of um, 
you know, I'm going to say scurrying down the highway back to their home ground yeah. and having a just a win against the bottom team that would have been in real doubt had it not been played there. Yeah. Yeah, no, they're not... Uh, oh, that's, that, that is... How valuable, how handy is it to be able to go back in front of a 90% biased crowd who, by the way, could wield no influence in the first half. I have never seen that at the Cattery. Mm. Carlton just kept getting free kick after free kick, and I'm sure just before half-time, a couple of the umpires started enjoying the irrational booing from the Geelong crowd <laughs> and paid a couple of worse free kicks just to see how crazy they could drive them. Yeah, look, in the context of Carlton's season, they've, they've been worse, but uh, been a lot better too, I think. Oh, no, actually, why did I say that? They haven't been a lot better. You know, apart from the win. Oh, there's a bloke, he didn't kick a goal with his first kick in football, but it was such a good kick. Did you see the goal that Kerr kicked? Ah, uh, yes. He went the drop punt. Yeah. Everybody's running around, and, you know, that's the home of starting on the angle, isn't it? Yeah. And I thought, what, what are you doing, mate? Yeah, return to traditional it values. It was gold. Well done, young man. Yeah, I loved it. Love that. All right, final game, of course, with uh, one fewer games this week. Final game played at, uh, I was about to say Subiaco, at Optus Stadium or Perth Stadium, if we're going the generic name. And another great win to the Roos finding. And if the West Coast are the best story of this season, the Roos have got to be the second best story because... How many people had them as wooden spooners? And we've talked about, yeah, I rated them a bit more highly than others. I didn't think they'd be six and four after 10 games. So running out 28-point winners in Perth against the Dockers, uh, 12-14-86, defeated 8-10-58. Three goals to Jared Waite, who was terrific for them, uh, up forward, spent a bit of time on a wing, spent a bit of time behind the ball. Wood and Brown, two each. Only the one multiple goal kicker for the Dockers, Walters. Jacobs, such an important returnee for the Roos this year, and I think been underestimated. Wait, fantastic support for Brown. Cunnington playing out of his skin. Robbie Tarrant, really important. Kane Turner, very capable. Jamie McMillan was good for him as well. I'm worried you've just gone through the best players. Well, I probably, <laughs> well, I have, but I have written down. But they have got they've got uh, senior players and younger players all contributing. Six four after ten. They're, they're, no, they're probably going to make the finals. They've got a reasonable run home, too. You know, I, I spoke to, caught up for the first time, I'd never met him before, uh, Donald McDonald during the week. Oh, yeah. Uh, we were talking about North, of course. He's involved at local level, but still at North, too. And it's funny, it's a real message for Luke Beveridge. And he said, you know, it's just what they're thriving on is a consistent football playing with each other and... A lot of the players that were not sure about their spot in the team have been by selection early in the year and then a couple of good performances, um, comfortable that they're in the side. And, you know, you, you often ask a sports person at the end of a, a great career, when did you first feel you belonged? Mm. That's a very important p- moment for a footballer. Yeah. And they've had a lot of guys from Magic Door through to Mason Wood through to a couple of the other players that you call maybe peripheral players, certainly a Marley Williams, mm. finally feel like they belonged. And that is a very important time for football. Good point. A lot to be said for stability. So there you have it. That's the wraparound. It's time to move on. Okay, we all know how this works, Finey. Three likes or dislikes out of the weekend of footy. I'm kicking us off with a hot... And his name's Josh Caddy from the Richmond Football Club. I'll elaborate on that in a minute. But uh, what a great pickup he's proved for them in just a, a season and a half. 
He's an interesting case study, isn't he? Because we all know how highly rated he was as a junior. It didn't quite work out for him at Gold Coast, but it didn't quite work out for him at Geelong either. And, and I know you've talked about this a bit. He was almost a man without a mission because he got squeezed out of that midfield group by the presence of Selwood and then Dangerfield's arrival. There were periods where he, he played that sort of medium size to small forward with effect, but not to the level of impact he's had with the Tigers. And uh, I wonder if he's becoming more suited to being a forward rather than a midfielder because of the way the game is changing around him. We all know key forwards are sort of out of fashion a bit. He's almost the prototype for the goal-kicking forward you want now. I agree. He's, he, he is a forward. He's such a strong mark mm. with a great self-belief. And as forward lines get smaller, defences get smaller, and he's a very big-bodied, shorter forward. So mm. physically, he's daunting for somebody of the same height. I almost think he's an accidental hero because... There's no doubt when he and Presti were picked up by Richmond at the end of 2016, remember Richmond had had a bad season, mm. they were being sold as the midfield depth that the club was desperately seeking that might even allow Dustin Martin to play more forward. Mm. But on arrival, Caddy was not fit enough to play meaningful minutes in the midfield, so they had to craft a forward midfield role for him. And by season's end... He had become part of a devastating shorter forward line that they now use They now use him quite wisely more as a forward. So you can be a bit critical of Geelong not seizing upon the opportunity to use him that way because there were times he did kick a lot of goals even in a midfield role. So there were hints, mm. but I've got to say, I almost think it was accidental, but I love your pick because I think he is all Australian at the moment. Yeah, he's ripping it up. All right, you're up. I'm taking a hot for putting teams to the sword. It almost has become unfashionable to finish the game off meaningfully on the scoreboard. Rest your players. You know, players seem to enjoy junk time and coaches don't mind it either. They would rather preserve a player's body by either, you know, warehousing them for next week or giving them lesser roles on the field than chase percentage. Now... Maybe percentage doesn't mean what it used to. I think it does. But I know this. That in the last few weeks, one team has had an appetite for destruction at the end of the games. And it's not the Gunners. It's Melbourne. And they really have, I think, by putting some teams to the sword... Well, I was going to say, who have they welcomed to the jungle? Well, the big one is this week's win over Adelaide. Because mm. to do it to Carlton, to do it to St Kilda, to do it to Gold Coast is good. Mm. It builds confidence. But they're not fellow finalists in aspiration or in reality. And we can say that Adelaide are down down men. But Mm. regardless of that, they torch them at the end of the game. And it is through those periods of high scoring and domination that Melbourne may well find the self-belief and confidence that has eluded them for years. No, good call. A final question. Are they headed for Paradise City? Um, Look... They wouldn't it be amazing if well, the third, grass is green and the girls are pretty. So well, this could go on forever. <laughs> no, they go. On. But this would be amazing if a third team would break the long drought from outside the eight in a row. Then everybody would say it's St Kilda's turn. But we would be able to. End, <laughs> we'd be able to end the run. I was waiting for that. Uh, nevertheless, they've got 
every they're as good a chance as anybody as we sit here today. Yeah, no, no, no great team. They tick all the boxes for me. Like they're a perfect balance almost of hardness around the midfield and that attacking flair. It was self belief or the ability to all um, dial in to the same frequency mm. that has held them back a bit. I'm not saying they're selfish. I'm saying that I think some players believe that they have the right stuff. Others still see the scoreboard and get scared. But the last few weeks might change all that. All right, I'm going uh, with the knot up next, and it is the incessant use of the phrase football club following insert team name to lend any apparent statement about either a game or anything to do with football apparently more gravitas. It's driving me insane, Fanny. Now, it used to be restricted to one or two commentators out there who shall remain nameless, but it now seems de rigueur in the world of football media, particularly on TV, that you might be making the most banal statement about a side, you know, uh, Hawthorne needs to kick more goals, but apparently that statement has a lot more weight attached to it if you say, the Hawthorne Football Club needs to kick more goals. It's a big, I hate wastage of words, albeit I'm prone to it a, a little bit myself, but... What is that about? Does that annoy you? Do you know what I'm getting at here? I know exactly what you're getting at. I almost saved this for a rant, but... I know exactly what you're getting at, but I think you might <clears> be um, pulling the wrong rein on it. Why? Because if you think that it's... A, if you think that it's... I, you believe it's a conscious effort to add gravitas to a statement? Yeah. I don't believe it is. And what is it? it? It's the subconscious, and we people do this. When you're not comfortable... You see, in reporting on something, being on radio and TV, you need to talk and think almost simultaneously. Oh, it's buying time. It buys time. Yeah. It, it drags out... It doesn't the, buy a lot of time. It, but <laughs> subconsciously, and there'll be a lot of phrases used by people that are not comfortable just to rattle off, look, the Hawks are in real trouble at the moment. Mm. But the Hawthorne Football Club, the brain is telling you that we need more time to process thought. So they and is that start why, dragging it, yeah, things out. Is that why it's so widespread? Because basically it's exclusively done by former footballers and they <laughs> perhaps need a little more thinking time. He Draw said, your own conclusions. He said in a rather pointed fashion. Okay, your turn. Okay, I'm going to go for... Uh, look, I want to stay positive, so I'm going to go for Essendon. We know that they've been much better the last two weeks to be to the point of rekindling hopes of playing finals football. Not quite yet, but uh, they can rekindle hopes at least. But for me, the hot has been some of the players that I was critical of, not in the short term. I actually thought that they were not going to make it. And Saad is one classic example. Adam Saad came to the side. I didn't think Essendon needed him. And his confidence started really dropping to the point of plummeting. But he picked himself up by the bootstraps last week to be a better player, and I thought he was great against GWS. Mm. Taught them a little bit about uh, taking on the game, but not taking it on for yourself, taking it on for your team and mm. bringing other players into the game. I thought he was great. Yeah, no, I agree. And a, a big part, oh, a big part of that quickly, I think the better defensive pressure of the Essendon midfield has again allowed Saad and Connor McKenna to play almost as de facto midfielders. Yeah, yeah. the role that they play only works if they're not bleeding. Yeah, correct. If the ball's not flying down. Correct, there. correct. And um, that, that's why Essendon's improvement has been an overall thing. Well, following on from yours, I'm finishing with a hot. And I had this guy as a knot probably a month ago, and uh, things 
appeared at a rather critical stage, not only for his team, but in terms of his individual form. His name, the Essendon captain, Dyson Heppel. Mm. I think he's been absolutely pivotal to how they've played the last two weeks. He's cracked in. He's won plenty of hard possessions, not just drifting around behind packs at half-back. He's been a lot more decisive with his disposal, and uh, his kicking, notably, has been had a lot more penetration. He was really getting into this sort of kicking up and under floaty stuff. Well, his kicking's been markedly improved. He's won plenty of hard balls. He's really led by example, and I, I think he took stock, and he copped plenty about, um, you know, there are a lot of people saying he's the worst captain in the AFL. Now, that's got to really get to you, whether you sort of admit it or not. And I think he's really had a bit of a look at himself and how he plays, and he's been absolutely fantastic for them. And this turnaround over the last two weeks, it's only two weeks, admittedly, but he's done more than any other bloke in that side, I think, to facilitate it. So well done, Hep, and uh, may you continue that upward trend. I'm going to go for my first ever triple hot. Oh, hurry up. The third hot. What? Always hurry up. Because we're supposed to be three each. Yeah. Haven't you done three? No, I've oh, done Oh, no, you haven't. Sorry. My apologies. <laughs> you take as long as you want. No, no don't take as long as It's not going to be that long, but okay. it's an amazing story. When Jack Redden went from Brisbane to West Coast, yeah. did anybody mark that as an important or relevant signing and transfer? It no, was, not It was really. more of sort of accommodating a footballer coming back home and maybe offering some, uh, at probably at best, some depth and maybe just some waffle support. Well, it happened with... Lewis Jetta and they for they were both sort of invisible for a while. Jack Redden is he's been a great. fantastic season. Yeah, he's been terrific. He has taken up the Prittis role in a way. Yeah. He's gone to be the big body midfielder. It's allowed Gaff to maintain a presence on the outside. They haven't lost anything in Redden going inside. Yeah. And we never really saw it at Brisbane because there was always somebody doing that job. But he turns out not to be somebody who's gone to West Coast to add 20 games to his AFL tally, mm. he goes there maybe to be a premiership player. Yeah. yeah so you've gone player. three hots. Yeah. Whew. Very positive. Uncharted territory here in Hot or Not, and uh, this must be the terrible influence of Ronnie Lerner in my absence. Well, just as well I'm here to drag the mood down, Fonny, and I'm sure you'll be back to your not, your notish ways next week. Okay. I'll be back to them in a minute, mate, because we're ranting. Yeah, we are <laughs> about to rant. Okay. You just reminded me, I've got to get angry. I am angry. I always leave my best work before we turn the camera on here because I had a cracking rant which unfortunately was so full of expletives and vitriol that we probably can't... And names. Air, and names. <laughs> <laughs> probably can't air it for public consumption. But I still had a good one anyway. I'm ready to go with it. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready to rant. Okay, well, join me as I introduce the... Rant Off! Right out, Finey. I've been on holiday. I've sampled the delights of the Orient, but my good mood has worn off in the space of about three days since I returned, and I'm back to my narky, cynical, angry best. That and I saw cool. your I saw your attack on me while I was missing too. By the way, don't think that hasn't been noted. It was more of a, a, an homage to your nuttiness that we're about to reacquaint ourselves. Well, with. I took it as a direct attack on my character, and I won't be forgotten. Now, just count me in. Uh, three, two, one, row. I'm pissed off about the standard of kicking in AFL football, Finey. Seriously, sometimes you'd reckon you're watching the under-12s that's so bad. Missed targets, left, right and centre. Goals consistently missed some 20 metres out directly in front. 
players were used to kicking around the corner when they're on a 45-degree angle. What the hell is going on? There's a refusal to even admit we have a problem. Coaches, players, commentators are constantly looking for excuses. Oh, they're so fatigued now because of the amount of territory they cover. Oh, there's more pressure than ever before. Get off the gear. These blokes aren't running marathons. It's not like they don't get a breather every time there's a stoppage, which these days is about every five bloody seconds. And pressure... Look, when plugger Jason Dunstall and Matty Lloyd were consistently slotting them through from all corners and Barry Price was hitting Peter McKenna on the chest lace out every time, it wasn't exactly a country game in front of a few parked cars with people honking their horns. This is about the fundamentals and not enough players now have them. We're rearing generations of athletes who can't kick and recruiting guys more obsessed with beep tests, shuttle runs, and whether a kid's parents went to the right schools than whether he can actually play footy. Here's a tip, recruiters. Check out a guy like Willie Rioli. You overlooked him until he was 21 because he had a bit of puppy fat. But the kid knows how to kick a footy. Have a look at his right-angle pass to Josh Kennedy in the third quarter today. That's vision. And the art of kicking the footy summed up in one moment. Let's start looking at footballs again instead of athletes. And for God's sake, if you have to draft guys who smashed the vertical leap tests and were school prefects at Scotch College, can you at least make sure they bloody know how to drop a ball on their boot without looking like they're studying for a PhD in it first? It's only how the truth always comes out with your rants. What do you mean? What, what truth? Oh, you wanted to go to a private school? You reckon you? I wanted to go to a private school? Now I do. Mate, I went to the school of hard knocks and the chicks were hot. What school was that? <laughs> John Gardner High. Oh, yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Um, that was good and you managed to not, not a single attack on Coldplay. No, no, I, I, I thought I'd space them out a, a few weeks. Yeah, good. No, 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 no. Look, you're preaching to the converted. Yeah. I am, well, again, I don't want to put everything back on St Kilda, but Endeavour's there, but I just can't believe how bad some people oh. oh. are. Are the balls too small and too what, hard? Or what something? about that one where Jack Nunes was running into the open goal and he actually drop-kicked it well, there because he, he dropped the ball? That's how we've been taught to kick at St Kilda. <laughs> Accidentally run over the ball. Now, you don't seem angry enough to me. I think you need I'm not to that angry. Not well, that angry. come on. Come on. It's not an angry thing. Come on. on. It's not an angry thing. All right. I did that last week to Mike Fitzpatrick. Um, yeah, no, fair enough too. Okay. What was that about? Well, he was on with... Uh, no, no, Mike no, Shelley. I know, I know, but it was a rhetorical. Yeah. What was that about? Oh, he's... Uh, he's still, you know what it was about? He's still dirtying up about conceding that free kick for time-wasting. In the game, Neil Danaher won for Essen in 1981. I think it's more than that. I think he's... Uh, one of the look, he's a very intelligent person and has led a, a marvelous life on the back of his own hard work. I'm not denying that, but I think there's a disconnect between him and reality and ordinary people, and at times, dare I say it, the truth. All right, and account you in three, two, one, rant. Well, when I first heard this week that the Etihad Stadium sponsorship deal was coming to an end and that the new sponsors were going to be Marvel Comics, it was going to be Marvel Stadium. I put on my beige, my cream, and my white, and I said, marvellous, marvel, marvellous. And I still think it is. No reason to poo-poo bunny, and certainly from a source that is attractive to kids of all ages. But then I started thinking how cynical old colonial stadium management, or whatever it wants to be called when it's not which is not colonial, Docklands management, management, will take advantage of this. 
and what what is now Etihad Stadium will look like from September the 1st when it becomes Marvel. And I don't think it's all that marvellous. Giant, giant cardboard cutouts of Marvel characters. Thor will thunder from above you from the locket end. You're Thor. I'm Thor. At the other end, a giant image of Hulk will cover poor old Gordon Coventry's name. And there'll be advantage taken at the concession stalls. Expect a Spider-Man spider, just a combination of Coke and ice cream, to cost $9 and be absolutely unavoidable for kids that go to the game. I want a Spider-Man spider. Or a Hulk Slurpee for $7.50 of iced granules and green. Yeah, we're going to get taken advantage of. There's no doubt about it. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not against oversized promotional tools. In fact, at that very ground at Docklands, I used to love taking the kids to the giant cans of Tom Piper that were on the concourse and tell them what a wonderful world it really would have been had there been two storeys high of canned sausages and pre-boiled vegetables. But the reality is, I fear, this is just going to get us in the hip pocket because it'll target the marketing at kids. And we all know the problem with children. They're expensive and very few of them win prize money. No, I'm a great believer in promotion and sponsorship, but not out of my pocket. For me, it's clear cut. It's not a confusing matter. Put your comic characters around the ground. But when you do it, just do me a favour. Make sure they're Marvel characters, not the opposition. DC and Hamish, Superman's DC, and that ain't going to change by September 1st. I liked it. I liked it. Good observation today about the game day stuff up. Mm. They're good Channel 7, aren't they? they oh, that hit, was odd. They can, well, you know, they hit. Superman to celebrate Marvel. You know what that would be the equivalent of? What? That would be the equivalent of during the Second World War mm. of celebrating Australia's, or not celebrating, but marking Australia's entry into the war with, and now a special performance by a man dressed as Adolf Hitler. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is the direct opposition. I know. It's like, it's like walking into Pepsi and asking for a Coke, isn't it? Yeah. They've got Captain America, don't they, Marvel? Uh, no, I knew you'd ask me something like this. Do they? Yeah, I think I do. So it's just one captain, not a rotation, or...? Oh, very is, there good. A is there a leadership group oh, America? Grant, Grant Thomas wouldn't have liked that. Not No rotating captains. Leadership group America, is it? <laughs> Aren't they the Avengers? Isn't that a whole group? Well, maybe that's what it is. I don't get this whole superhero thing. What is going on in the world, Finey? I'm just looking forward to seeing She-Hulk. She-Hulk, yeah. Yeah, there's a character, She-Hulk. Does she go green and her clothes rip off when she gets angry? Yeah. She, okay, she well, wants to play, possibilities, she, I suppose. She wants to play in the AFLW, but... The AFL are just not sure whether she meets oh, the criteria. No, no. Well, fair enough. Okay, yeah, yeah, no, well, there, there is a there is a uh, precedent old, a, a precedent in that direction, <laughs> isn't it? Uh, very uh, good. I liked it. I liked it. Um, that's about it for uh, tonight. Uh, big round ten. Some interesting results. Um, a few teams looking likely. A few in trouble. Um, best of all, I'm back from China and ready to continue my. Marriage with the AFL season. It was a great trip, though, Finey, and we will talk about it. And uh, I wrote down, actually, that uh, how to say goodbye in Chinese, which is Zai Jian. But it's been 
overridden by a thought I just had, which is that, and several people have pointed this out to me, when we sign off from this show, we're not doing it as every TV show where they use notes signs off. Now, wait, wait, oh, wait for it. Yeah, yeah, no, no, right. wait for it. Yeah, You've yeah. got to get them in line. Yep, okay. Okay, so we'll do it simultaneously. This hasn't yep. been choreographed. But um, I'll say uh, good night from both of us, and may your football be good football. Good night.